Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the 2017 Lakers are bringing litness back, and all them Monday morning quarterbacks don't know how to act. Tommy, do you know how they brought litness back tonight? I have no idea. Because their coach first kept it trill with them. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure where that one was going to end. Yeah, you know, Alan and I talked about the last podcast that in order to get to true litness, you have to keep it trill first. And Coach Luke definitely kept it trill with his players by shortening up the rotation, giving minutes to guys who deserved it. And also the way he's been motivating the, motivating these players has been amazing. So, you know, we weren't planning to record tonight. We didn't have a scheduled podcast, but after a game like tonight, probably the best win of the season for the Lakers we just had to do an emergency podcast so 
By the way, have you seen The Revenant at all? Uh, I have not seen The Revenant. It's on HBO Gaga, so I've been meaning to watch it. Yeah, I was just going to make some unfunny reference to The Revenant and how Leonardo DiCaprio managed to defeat the bear and tie it back to how the Lakers beat the Grizzly Bears. But I have no idea who won in The Revenant, whether it was the bear that had the advantage or the man. But anyways, the Lakers manhandled the Grizzlies 116-102 before Tommy gets into his litany of... uh, Litany, do you like that? Litany of of notes on this game. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because I think you know where I'm going with this one. Because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, that's how many more Jordan Clarkson shimmy shakes we'll get. (laughs) Moving forward. (laughs) Well, I went there, so rate and review us, guys. And Jordan Clarkson's dance encapsulates how we were all feeling tonight. So, Tommy, what are your impressions of this? Amazing game. Frame-worthy game, I I like to call it. Yeah, so my impressions are lit. (laughs) Uh, No, but seriously, seriously, though, look, I I acknowledge that there are some games in an NBA season where a bad team is going to be a a good team. And I preface that, like, no good team wins every game. The Memphis Grizzlies are a very good game. I don't know what their schedule was like leading up to this. It seemed like they were at full strength. But anyway, you know... I'm not saying that like this means everything is fixed, right? Like we made we did make 17 threes in this game. That's not going to happen every night. But all that being said, overall this was and I think most people who watch it would agree. This was the best in my opinion um 48 minute game we've played all season. Mm-hmm. Uh we got off to a decent start. I mean, we were playing with at Memphis's pace. We were hanging around in the game. And, you know, we were we were we were matching shot for shot as much as we could. And it was kind of a defensive battle. I mean, after the first quarter, it was 22 20. So we did a good job of hanging around and not letting the defense, the uh, best of Memphis's defense get to us and, and just hanging in there. The game turned in the second quarter, though, when Luke Walton pulled the entire bench unit basically after I don't know if it was two or two and a half minutes. I know it was less than three minutes into the third. Yep. Luke pulled all five bench players at once. That's like a move that we have not seen, as far as I can recall, since you know, preseason when you're doing those line changes intentionally. This was like a statement move. And it made a big statement to both his starters and his bench players. His bench players fell asleep a couple of times on defense and on offense. They weren't moving the ball nearly as well as the starters were. And Luke was like, okay, if you guys aren't going to show up, I'm going to literally pull all five of you. (laughs) It it wasn't even like remotely a reasonable time to do that. Right. He just, it was the only rationale was to make a statement and that's what he did. And he was just trying to show like, look, no nonsense. If I have to play, we're at the point in the season We're, I mean, this is crazy to say, but we're almost halfway through the season and we're at that point now where it's like, okay, if you, if we have to play D'Angelo and Julius and, you know, whoever's, whoever else is playing well that night, it seems like those guys are our two leaders, but if we have to play those guys 35 minutes a game, we will. And so that's where the game, in my opinion, turned, you know, I go ahead. Were you going to, were you going to add something? Oh, yeah. We're at that point in the season and in the year where people stop being nice and get trill. That's all I was going to say. Okay, yeah, no, (laughs) that's true. So, (laughs) so, yeah, so I think Luke has been pushing this, like, no-nonsense attitude. And you've heard me say a few times, despite not wanting to quote Byron Scott, you've heard me say a few times on this podcast, they need to man up. And I think this no-nonsense attitude... 
Luke, I think in this game, he kind of finally put that on himself a little bit. If you're going to tell your players, we need to, we can't keep blowing 19 point leads. We have to go in and have a all business, no nonsense attitude. You have to like reciprocate that a little bit and like show something to your players. And I feel like tonight was the first night I saw Luke do that. Tonight was the first night on a couple of other plays. I saw Luke like get so animated and like, damn near Steve Kerr like breaking a clipboard level when he was yelling at his guys for blowing assignments that like they discussed you saw it on one play in the I I don't know if it was the third or fourth quarter but it was Brandon Ingram who's you know a quiet like nice guy and by all like you know respects it doesn't seem like the coaching staff has really been chewing him out at all this year he fell asleep out of a timeout and Memphis got not a wide open three because B.I. kind of recovered, but they got a very good look for Troy Daniels, who lit us up the last time we played Memphis. And Luke immediately stood up and like slammed his game plan or whatever he holds in his hand against his other hand. And like it fl- flew off his hands and onto the floor. And he was just so animated. And that kind of energy, like we we get on the players that they need to bring that kind of energy, but the coach has to bring it too. This is a young team, and he has guys who need this kind of encouragement. So I give him props for that as well. And you weren't you weren't able to join us for our last podcast where we were recapping the Toronto game, but Alan and I talked a lot about rotations and how Luke, it seems like, is having trouble trying to maintain the rotations pretty much, and also how to juggle these minutes of these guards. And I, I, like you said, I'm glad that tonight he shortened up the rotation. He played the people that were effective, got D'Angelo Russell the minutes he needed. And even with the case of Mozgov, who somehow got 37 minutes tonight, he was playing well. And also it was against Marcus Gasol, so we needed that big body. Um, he rewarded those players. I didn't see a lot of Luau Dang, which was good. Yeah. Um, it Like the, the rotations just made a lot of sense. It wasn't a set kind of thing that, Kind of like what he has been doing, where you knew when Lou and Jordan Clarkson were going to come in midway through the first quarter, and then D'Angelo won't come back in until midway through the second quarter, you know? And then D'Angelo will come out in five minutes, the five-minute mark of the third, and won't come back in until the five-minute mark of the fourth. Like, all of that was out the door. And for that, everything else made sense and everything flowed. And because certain guys were in a groove, they were able to continue that groove. And so I think, like you said, from the players to the coaches, this game was played to a T in perfection, pretty yeah. much. And I was I was so encouraged by everything I was witnessing out there. Like, I did not know how to contain myself. I didn't know how to handle myself because we just saw so many flashes. You know, like the, the last couple flashes. months or whatever. Flashes, Ingram. <laughs> Uh, we, we told everybody oh, nice, Ingram's nice. our nickname for Ingram. But, you know, the last couple of months, it's been we've only seen these flashes, you know, maybe like four or five flashes in the last few games because of the losses. But tonight it just came in a barrage. D'Angelo Russell, oh my God, Julius Randle, triple-double, Brandon Ingram knifing through the lane, doing shimmy shakes, yeah. Jordan Clarkson in only 17 minutes gets 16 points and is super yep. efficient. And he's even what? He's even playmaking for other people again and making the right reads. This is amazing. Wow, I can't handle this. Why? everything going perfectly you know random filipino dude at the third quarter hits a half court shot i'm like <laughs> what's going on it's like sensory overload yeah. you know but yeah tonight was the best win so far for the lakers this season for sure and like you said full 48 minutes their biggest problem this season has been maintaining big leads double digit leads and they actually kept a double digit lead in the fourth quarter and actually extended it and that was our rating and review 
contingency last episode and somehow the Lakers actually pulled it off. Everything was firing on all cylinders and it was such a joy to watch, honestly. Do you want to run through the players? We can run through the players, but the only thing I wanted to add to all of that was... I don't know. I mean, presumably, if you if you're listening to this podcast, you've been following the Lakers for many years. So a lot of people out there probably remember like when we were good, like in 2008, 2009. And this was like after Denver had traded Carmelo Anthony. And remember when Denver and there were there were other examples of this, but for some reason, Denver's the only one I could think of. But they would field teams that were like very solid, very competitive. You know, they'd finish fifth, sixth place in the West like every year. And they had like six guys that averaged double digit points. But they would get owned in the playoffs every single year because these guys, although they were playing in a free flowing, like let's share the ball offense, they didn't have clearly defined roles. And the point I'm trying to make with this is I think especially for a young team, if you don't clearly define and establish what the roles on this team are, it allows things to get out of control. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Luke, I don't know if he's been talking to D'Angelo or what he's doing. And uh, yes, part of this is just D'Angelo is finally coming into a rhythm and starting to hit his shots. Um, But it seems like the roles are starting to be clearly defined here. Like the team leaders among the young guys anyway, are D'Angelo and Randall Mm -hmm. in terms of like all around play. Nick Young is there to be a role player who hits threes like and plays defense. Like that's his role. Mozgov is there for his role, take up space in the paint, basically. And I just feel like as Luke is starting to more clearly define these roles, everybody is sort of falling into their own niche. Jordan Clarkson played 18 minutes, which has got to be like one of his lowest minute outputs for a game that we actually were competing in, right? Because normally he's playing like 28 plus minutes and despite that he scored 16 points on an efficient six for nine shooting he actually should have had 18 because in my opinion that tip off the free throw miss should have counted because i don't think he jumped in and anyway it's besides the point but you see these guys starting to more clearly accept their role and it's like okay now Clarkson understands like if he doesn't come in with that energy that they need from him, he's going to be pulled. So what does he do? He comes back in and he responds by just going off and helping us build that lead in the third Lou Williams, you know, like he scored 40 point games for us. He had like one of the most insane stretches for a bench player of all time. But if you are not going to play defense and you're not going to move the ball and continue to build on the momentum that we had in the first quarter, you're coming out of the game early. You know what I mean? Because you guys are role players until you prove you're something else. And so he's like sort of forcing these guys into these roles now. And I think the guys are really responding. I mean, yes, it's been two games, but I think the Toronto game we saw it and this game, I think we definitely saw it. Yeah, they've been very competitive. They've been responding, especially Julius Randle, who's been talking about how Luke Walton's been making him mad or whatever, but they have that mutual respect and understanding with each other, and most importantly, that communication, right? Luke Walton called him even after he was mad at him or whatever, and you just see them responding and fighting for a guy that they love and that they respect, that they have an actual relationship with, and it seems to be coming back to where we were at at the start of the season, right? So now, but this time now, we actually have some adversity that we've gone through. And so it should make us a better team overall, you know? Not to say that we loved losing, you know, so many games and like eight out of our last 10 or whatever. But the fact that we went through that rough stretch and we're finally coming back out of it and finally realizing again what our identity is, who we are, I think it's going to be 
better for us in the long run, you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, the Lakers, they shot 51% tonight from the field and 51% from three, shooting 17 for 33 from three-point land against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are number one in the league at defending the three. Yep. So obviously a lot of it came from just guys being hot and the right guys being hot in terms of Uncle P and D'Angelo Russell, but mm-hmm. it just seemed like the shot was falling for everybody tonight. And to be honest, the first few threes D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young hit, they weren't like heat, seeker, heat seekers, you know what no, I mean? They were, heat checks. Yeah, I completely They were in agree. the flow. In the flow of the offense, good shots, open shots, and they hit them. And when you get those guys good shots, anything can happen. And that's exactly what happened tonight. Uh, But the most impressive part, obviously, and look, Memphis doesn't have great shooters. Chandler Parsons sucks. But the Lakers (laughs) did hold them to 39%. what a day. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just just throwing that in there. So, yeah, the Lakers held the Grizzlies to 39%, which is very impressive. The only guy who could really do anything was Marc Gasol. So, yeah, let's look at the the stats here because obviously we can start with Julius Randle who had a triple-double and played amazingly tonight. He had a great game against Toronto as well, like 18.6 assists, and he pretty much carried that through in this game. 19 points, 14 rebounds, 11 assists. 11 assists, one steal, and only two turnovers. Yep. And that's the that's the most amazing part, right? Yep. He was efficient and only had two turnovers. I think he snapped like a 177-game streak by the Grizzlies, not having an opponent get a triple-double on them or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and also he... This is his second triple-double of the the season, and he joins the likes of James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Draymond Green, and Russell Westbrook as the only guys to have multiple triple-doubles this season. So, amazing feat by Julius Randle. What did you think of his performance tonight? Yeah, he looked good. Like you said, at every aspect of the game, he was competing defensively. Although, look, he's young. He's going to, what is he, 21 years old only still? Mm-hmm. Although he looks like an adult, or 22, I guess now. But he is going to get lost sometimes backdoor on on plays. He's going to get lost, like caught ball watching sometimes. He's a young player, okay? It happens. Unless you're like throwing rookie Hakeem Olajuwon out there, he, the guys are going to make mistakes. The game is so fast nowadays. But when he's engaged, it is absurd. This guy, like, for a, he went through a minor stretch, I think, where I was kind of harping on, like, he needs to get a few more rebounds because he was kind of slacking in that category. But he is competing so hard. His motor never runs. I mean, he looked a little bit gassed at the end of this game, but you sort of see potential in Randall with the way he plays as ultimately becoming one of these guys who just never gets tired. You know what I mean? And he's going to play a 36-minute game with like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook intensity, and he's just going to finish the game and it's going to look like he didn't even break a sweat. Right. Because that's the kind of that hard worker this guy is. That's the kind of motor he has. And I think his conditioning and all that stuff as he continues to mature is only going to propel him farther. It's to, to have a sustained effort like he had in this game, He playing 37 minutes. And he's his minutes, it's not like he's been averaging 25 leading into this, like, or like 8 or 20 like Mozgov. He's been picking up a lot of Nance's slack um, since Nance has been out with the injury. So to sustain that kind of effort is just so amazing. And like you said, to do all of that and only turn it over twice is even more impressive. What I was most impressed by with Julius Randle is his, you know, the last game he didn't shoot too well. Tonight he changed it up and decided to be the perfect roller to D'Angelo Russell's passes. Oh my gosh. He He was in the right spaces the entire time. He didn't have to dribble the ball and get, you know, shaky shimmy Julius Randle and do a spin move and flip it up you know he was just like 
I'm going to be in the right spots. I'm going to set the right screens. Whenever there's a space, I'm going to fill it, and I'm going to get this pass from D'Angelo Russell and finish it. And life is so much easier when he does that, right? Exactly. It's easier, and I hope he's starting to slowly understand that it's easier for him as well. Like, Mm-hmm. We talked about all last season and all during the offseason. Julius Randle needs to be comfortable. And actually, I'm looking at the box score now, and he took the most shots on our team tonight. But my still this general message, I think, applies. Julius Randle needs to be comfortable not being the Kobe Bryant of this team. He needs to realize what his role is and, and execute that role perfectly. He had, doesn't have to do anything all by himself like you know there would be a time and a place where we say hey you have the best matchup it's a tie game with 10 seconds left like go make a play and win the game there will be times for that but most of the time he will find and i hope he's starting to see that his life is just going to be so much easier if he just helps his teammates out and he lets them help him out so he doesn't have to go like one on four or whatever exactly yeah, fill the lane, which is what he did to perfection tonight, and his shots were so much easier. They were pretty much dunks or layups, you know? So, yeah, it was beautiful. And then, obviously, his his best attribute in terms of playmaking is being able to find these spot-up shooters and set the proper screens for them. He just has a knack for giving to giving it to them at the right positions. Yep. And the chemistry that he's building with D'Angelo Russell is a uh, sight for sore eyes. It, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. To see. Um, so Uncle P... This is the second straight. Actually, he's on a crazy hot stretch like he's never insane. seen before. It's insane. So he's shooting right now 44.8% from three-point land. Oh, my gosh. And I, I put this stat out. Out of players who are averaging three three-point makes a game, which is not a, a short – it's a short list. Like it's Kyle Lowry, Steph Curry, and him. He's number two in shooting percentage right behind Kyle Lowry with 44.8%, which is ridiculous. He he is locked in. He is on fire. It doesn't It doesn't even matter. Him and D'Angelo were the catalysts in the first half, just getting those ridiculous three-point shots to go. Swaggy P, 20 points, 6 for 11 from 3, 2 assists. And like we've been talking about, gone are the days where Swaggy P needs to dribble, dribble on his own, and then chuck up a shot, right? Luke Walton says sometimes he does that, and he'll give him license to do that. But for the most part, it's been curling off of screens, shooting it really quickly, catch and shoot Swaggy P, and it's amazing the transformation that he's made and i just have to share this quote that he had after the game where he talked about jordan clarkson he was like oh man i feel bad for jc messed up his four-point play could have had his first but he ain't ready for that the the shimmy was good though and if you know anything about uncle p he's like the master at four-point plays along with uh lou williams so what do you have to say about swaggy p uncle p yeah, Swaggy P, his shooting has just become amazing. I was actually mildly, this is going to sound stupid, but I was mildly stressed out during the game watching this guy play because it doesn't, he has not shown any signs that he's going to like taper off from this. And honestly, the Lakers just have to seriously bank on the fact that he like gives us some sort of hometown discount because this is a guy who loves the spotlight and wants to be in LA. But if he continues to shoot like this, like, I'm not saying he's going to shoot 44% 
for the rest of the season. But if he averages like above two and a half threes and is, you know, shooting even 41%, which he, I think he's very capable of, this is going to, this guy's going to demand like a lot of money theoretically from some team out there. He's a veteran. He's shown he could play defense. And if he's knocking down threes like this, what else could you ask for? I, one thing I'll give him so much props for is one thing we were both nervous about over the offseason was how is Swaggy P going to adapt to this offense because he doesn't feel like a Golden State Warriors player. You watch the Golden State Warriors coming off picks, catching it, and shooting it. And all the only Swaggy P we knew was even in D'Antoni's system. We all remember even in D'Antoni's system, he was catching the ball for – he would catch the ball for a wide open three and take like a little rhythm dribble and then shoot it. Right. And in you know, in like a modern offense, that's going to severely reduce your three point shooting percentage, right? Because you're allowing guys to catch up to you. And he has somehow fully transformed himself into a come off the screen, catch it and immediately fire it up without, you know, even setting his feet barely sometimes. So I give him so much props for that. Yeah, and for sure at this point, you know, the Lakers are not going to have anyone to spend their money on anyways. And I'm so scared saying this, but if if he'll take 10 million, I mean, this, he might not take 10 million, but 10 million over the next three years, I definitely do that. I just don't think he would. Someone might offer him 12 to 15, but, but yeah, he's making it very hard on us. And at this point, the only thing that gives me security is Luke Walton and his relationship with Luke Walton that he can sustain this and carry this forth beyond just one season, but... We'll get there when we get there. At this point, I don't think he's doing so well, but I don't think you can get anything back in return for him that's worth what he's doing for this team right now. Does that make yeah. sense? I think that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, like, besides Luke Walden, he has gr- amazing chemistry with Clarkson. He has amazing chemistry with Randall. He even weirdly has this weird connection with D'Angelo Russell that you sometimes mm-hmm. see, which is, like, so bizarre given all their, like, given everything that happened last season. But he just seems like he gets along with his teammates so well. He loves living in LA. If you follow this fool on like Instagram or on uh, Twitter or Snapchat or whatever, he is like so into his, his personal life too, which is crazy because how he's able to perform on the floor, but still like have this super bizarre personal life. But anyway, I think all of those factors would lean towards him taking us at least a slight discount compared to whatever his market rate ends up being. And if he's willing to do something like that for, let's say, three years, I just think you have to do it because even if he only gives you one out of which I think given what he looks like, he's only 31. I mean, even if he only gives you one or two like years, like even remotely close to this, it'll be worth it for sure. All right. So let's move on to uh, thank God for this guy, freaking D'Angelo Russell, the last two games he's. Like you said, this is the guy we drafted. This is the guy that we've been heralding on our podcast since day one. This is the guy we made our logo from day one. And for the longest while, people have been wondering, what do you guys see in D'Angelo? Like, I wish I saw what you see in D'Angelo. And after tonight, do I need to say anything more? Do you need to see any more from this guy? You know what I mean? It's not just the three-point shooting either. He started driving to pass. And his passing and his playmaking tonight was so ridiculous. It was absurd. You know, his stats right now, 
All of these pretty much came in the first half, and the assists came sporadically throughout the rest of the quarters. But he had 18 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, only 2 turnovers. And one of those turnovers was late when the Lakers were messing around with the ball and playing sloppily at the end anyway. So essentially, it's a 6 assists, 1 turnover game, 1 steal. But the stats won't tell you how amazing he looked tonight in terms of the court vision, the playmaking, the... No look whip passes to Julius oh Randle. The the bounce pass to Julius Randle in tra- traffic. He was boggling my mind. Everything he was doing was perfect. He even tried to diversify his game up after getting so hot from three. He just wasn't able to get some of his mid range shots to go. They were but good I'm though. yeah, they were good looks, and I'm glad that he actually drove to pass. And that was the biggest difference. So what did you think of D'Angelo Russell? Who 2017 D'Lo looks like what we saw at the end of last season, pretty much when he got the starting nod. Yeah. So a lot of what you said, and I think the one I'm going to focus on is driving to pass and driving to pass. I think when we started the season, he was doing a pretty decent job of driving and kicking, but driving to pass is more than driving and kicking. Like, yeah, that's a big part of it. But like any point guard, theoretically, in this offense, you put Kendall Marshall in this offense and he can do something like that. You know, we always look at what Kendall Marshall did under Mike D'Antoni. Oh, Kendall Marshall, shout out. I mean, there you go. That's cool. Like, by the way, another shout out for Kendall Marshall. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should because he is so weird. And he it is. is just, it is just nonstop entertainment. But anyway. So you put any a lot of guys who make it to this level, like I would say almost all of them actually can do stuff like that. Driving to pass, though, becomes much more disruptive for opposing defenses when you can effectively do it in the paint. Um, And that's what D'Angelo has been doing the last couple of games. Like, besides making what I think are just beautiful, extremely simple plays on the pick and roll in the last couple of games, he has been making insane passes in the paint. I mean... I feel like every game, D'Angelo, it's just like you can the numbers are never going to tell the story for him. Every game he gets tapped on at least a couple assists. Tonight, he had some plays where it was just like a slightly more athletic or more experienced or better teammate in certain situations would have easily converted. Um, One example was when he drove right into the lane. And so often this season, he came off this pick and roll strong. He got into the paint. And so often this season, he ran right into Marcus Saul, and I was just like, it's like my brain was already anticipating that move where he just like flings his arms up in hope to <laughs> in hopes to draw like a desperation foul, and there's clearly no contact. Yeah. Um, he stayed poised, didn't get nervous, didn't pick up his dribble. Sh- saw Brandon Ingram cutting baseline and threw him a beautiful bounce yep. pass in rhythm. That's not an easy pass to throw because you have a guy sprinting towards you at full speed, and you throw him a soft bounce pass that hits him right in the hands, like it doesn't hit him in the knees. Like you have to, and t- it's it, that pass is going to go so underrated because. Ingram went out, went up and got blocked. I actually think that was a block. They called a foul. Um, But, you know, anyway, somebody else could have easily converted that. And that looks like a beautiful play. And for D'Angelo, it doesn't even go on the stat sheet. Well, 22-year-old Brandon Ingram will be able to finish that. Exactly. And that's and that's what we talk about with the flashes. Like we want to see something from these young guys playing together of what we can expect to see only more refined in the future. And that's what we're seeing with D'Angelo right now. This guy is like each game getting better and better and better. And he hits some sort of like a lot of people have like that sophomore slump, they call it. But it feels like even in in many of these games where D'Angelo wasn't shooting well recently, 
he was like, he looks so much more confident. And you and I would come on this podcast and say, like, I know D'Angelo is not shooting the ball well. And if you just saw the stat sheet and you did not watch the game, you would think that he cost us the game. I mean, we said that against, like, Utah. We said that against Dallas. We said that against, uh, I don't know, Miami. There were several games where the stat sheet was not reflecting what he did for our offense. And now he's doing all of those things, but like also hitting his shots. So we're starting to see flashes of who this guy is. He's hit six threes, two games in a row. He got six assists and only two, two turnovers in this game. It, who does that as a 20 year old point guard? You know, like we're talking about like Kyrie Irving type mm-hmm. players um, at, at 20 years old to do stuff like that. So uh, this is like you said, this is the guy we drafted and it's just so exciting to see him uh, get these kinds of mi- get these kinds of minutes that as Luke has bumped them up and and uh, really re- reward Luke for that. Yeah, and I think for me the most satisfying part is so many people, and I'm talking about Lakers fans. I'm not talking about outside media have doubted this guy so much this year alone, not taking into context everything that he's gone through this season with regards to the knee injury, being out for a good 10 games and having to come back in, and them continuing to say, I just don't see it with this guy, so many turnovers, yes, bad decision making, yes. But everything he did the last two games is not something we haven't seen before. I don't know why people have such short-term memory and then such overreactionary, impulsive takes on D'Angelo Russell when he has a prolonged stretch of crap. You know what I mean? Like, there was a stretch last year where in seven out of eight games, he averaged 22 points and five assists and looked like he was getting 20 points in his sleep. And for some reason, some people this year have totally forgotten that. And I keep trying to tell them, knee injury this year, he missed 10 games out of the midpoint of the season, and guess what? He's averaging less, way less minutes than last year. You know, he's averaging about two minutes less than last year and somehow averaging more points, more assists, etc., etc. And he's looked like crap doing so. So we can only imagine if he played marginally better, everything will come in, will align itself. Yeah. And we're seeing that now. The last game he had zero turnovers, you know, his first zero turnover of the game. So the new year has worked wonders for D'Angelo Russell, but at the same time I say... We've seen this type of D'Angelo Russell. We've seen this type of potential before. And if you've been listening to this podcast, we've been preaching patience for this guy for the same reasons we look at Brandon Ingram and preach the same patience. For sure, with D'Angelo Russell, we should do that more for him because we've actually seen actual superstar-like games, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, amazing game by D'Angelo Russell. I hope he keeps it up. And, you know, don't everybody freak out if he has a tough game against portland at the rose garden okay it's like tough matchup tough matchup these guys are young okay this is what's gonna happen it's up and downs up and downs till the you know probably next year so just get used to it the only other thing i want to talk about was uh brandon ingram bad free throw shooting as usual but outside of that he got julius randall his triple double with an open jump shot what do you know he made one yeah (laughs) he made an open jump shot and then obviously his play of the game was that drive where he was knifing in the lane did a little in in and out shimmy shake and then just took his long strides straight to the basket for the clean lay-in and uh those are the types of flashes we're talking about right the toronto game we saw that ridiculous poster dunk on jonas valanciunas where you tommy were pounding your chest like king kong and then (laughs) tonight we see that amazing play where he's at the three-point line takes it all the way into the paint and lays it in so that's what we're talking about with Brand Ingram. We just need him to clean up his shot because when he misses, they are really bad clankers. I don't know what's going on with that, man. But uh, um, I did have one question to ask you uh, before we close this out. But 
someone on Twitter, okay, I'll just say it, at Mike Sports LA, has been harping upon the Lakers yeah. talking about how, you know, this three-point shooting stuff, it's fool's gold. Lakers need to stop hitting threes. And the last game, he he pinpointed Swaggy P as an example, saying, oh, Swaggy P is getting hot, but this is fool's gold, right? So for me, I agree with that to a certain extent, but Swaggy P has been shooting 44% from three the entire season. If anybody can chuck up three-point shots 40, for 48 minutes, it would be Swaggy P. Like, if he's going to take these catch-and-shoot wide-open threes in the flow of the offense, that's not fool's gold to me, especially when the guy's shooting 44%. Even D'Angelo Russell, the guy's shooting 38% from three this season. So what do you have to say about that notion that, you know, the Lakers are pretty much living and dying by the three. This is fool's gold. Um, I agree with that to an extent if they keep settling for for it. And if guys like Dang start getting into the fray and like, I'm, I'm going to take this three-point shot without not in the flow of the offense, you know? But if it's in the flow of the offense, I'm totally fine by it, especially with Luke's system of, you know, down screens, double down screens, curls and whatnot. So what do you have to say about that? There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions? More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. So what I what I have to say about that is here are some teams who are the four of the top five teams in three-pointers attempted this year. Number one, Houston. Number two, Cleveland. Brooklyn, I'll skip. Number four, Boston. <laughs> And number five, Golden State. The point being that four of those five teams are doing very well and are like at the in the top four of their respective conferences. So the three point shot is part of the game now. And look, not every we're not saying like everybody has to be Mike D'Antoni, Houston shooting 40 a game. It's like everything the league's doing. Mike D'Antoni has to exaggerate. So we're not saying they have to be like that. The Lakers are shooting 25.63s, which seems like a lot. That's middle of the pack in the NBA. We shoot as many threes as Atlanta and Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Memphis. These are all teams in our range. If we're shooting as many threes as Memphis, that's not that many threes. Literally, Memphis is 25.5 or 25.6. So we shoot about the same threes as a team that doesn't really have any shooters. Um this is where the game is going now, you know, like we we are taking threes, but we're taking good threes. We're taking good like good looks within the flow of an offense. We're just not we're not running down and just chucking um, 25 attempts per game at 35 percent shooting, which is also middle of the pack, which is just like an unbelievable you know, upgrade from I think the last three years or something. We were dead last or at least in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. Uh, in three-point shooting. So when you're shooting middle of the pack in attempts, in middle of the pack in makes, I really don't see what the issue is there. You know what I mean? It's like, is it fool's gold? Yes, it's fool's gold. That's part of the game. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to use analytics to win you games and the goal is to maximize the number that ends up in the W column, that this is how you win games, by shooting threes. Sometimes you're going to lose... Because your shots aren't falling. Yes, the Golden State Warriors did not are not going to go 82 and 0 this year. That's just what happens. Sometimes you're going to miss shots, but if you're getting the right looks and taking good percentage shots, and you're seeing results from that, i.e., you're 
you're making shots like after almost halfway through the season as a team to shoot 35% is very, very good. So I just don't see, I don't buy this argument that it's fool's gold and blah, 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 this and that. I got that during the Mike D'Antoni era, right? Because with Mike D'Antoni, like we said, it was, a lot of it was just run, like run down as fast as you can, throw it ahead of everybody and just shoot it before the, anybody's there to defend it. Yeah. Um, and this is not that, you know, sometimes do we do that? Yes, because we're an up-tempo team, we're young, but we're shooting almost, you know, 15 less threes per game than the top shooting three-point team in the NBA. So it's not like we're doing anything that crazy. Exactly. And like you said, obviously there are going to be times where guys settle, guys take too many heat checks and maybe take ill-advised shots, but that's part of us being a young team. And also at the same time, fool's gold, but this is also one of our best attributes right now. And until we get more personnel coming in that have versatile scoring games... We have to play to our strengths, and this is keeping it trill. I'm sorry, you know, like it is. And, and the Lakers are doing decently. You know, we don't have pure shooters, but when you have a guy like D'Angelo Russell and Uncle P who can get hot, and Lou Will sometimes, and have a coach who can design plays to get those guys really good shots, have them take it. You know, I don't like it when Lou Outdang shoots threes out of out of the flow of the offense, or when other guys take ill-advised shots either. But I. I see more good three-point shots than I do bad shots. And at yeah. the end of the day, that's the that's the point. So Yeah, and it's it's to me it's just there's no evidence that we're sacrificing anything else for that. If you look at like across the board, free throw free throws made per game, we're 17th despite having no superstars or like even all-stars on our team who are like known guys who get free throws, we're 17th in the league in free throws made per game. The team below us, 18th, is Houston, who has James Harden. The team above us, 16, is Golden State. And obviously they have Curry, you know, Draymond, Clay, and Durant. So to be making a right around middle of the pack and free throws per game, it suggests that we're not just like coming down and chucking it, coming down and chucking it, coming down and chucking it. Yeah, we shoot jump shots. We're a jump shot shooting team. That's how we're constructed. But there's no... There's no, I guess what I'm trying to say is as these guys get better with their mid range, as they get more comfortable driving, nothing we're doing suggests that this is just going to be a team to run down and fire it up with no regard for any context. Exactly. And the guys are still progressing. You know, the one guy who can change the dynamic of how we get three point shots outside of the set plays that Luke has is going to be D'Angelo Russell. And he showed that tonight when he drives and looks to play make and Brandon Ingram too, in the next couple years, when he continues to knife into the lane and then find guys on the perimeter. And like we said, Julius Randle has a knack for finding these shooters in transition. So I think the way we're getting threes is totally fine. Obviously, we don't want them to settle because, you know, when we miss these long shots, it leads to bad transition opportunities for the other team. And then at at that point, it's up to us to run back. And that's something we haven't done well. So that's just something the coach has to remind the guys time and time again. But at the end of the day, this is the way the league is going. And if the Lakers were shooting 31%, then yes, I'd say, okay, maybe stop shooting threes. But they're doing just fine, and the guys who take the most threes and hit the most threes are shooting amazing percentages, and I'm talking about D'Angelo Russell, Lou Williams, and Nick Young. So there you go. Right. Um, with that said, Tommy, can you remind us how how many games were behind the eighth seed? <laughs> okay, so somehow we are only two losses, or sorry, two wins behind the team in eighth. Obviously, we've played like weirdly way more games than a lot of other teams. Like, 
let's see, we played 38 games and Sacramento's played 34, which is insane if you think about it, that at this stage in the early, relatively early season, we've played four full more games than another yeah. team. But <laughs> I don't know what what was going on with the schedule there. But so we, Sacramento has 15 wins. We have 13 wins. And even in terms of just games in the, in the rankings behind Sacramento, we're only four games behind despite losing like 10 of the last 12 or something, you know, going, I guess, three and 15 since starting 10 and 10. Um, Not saying this team is going to make the playoffs, but it's just another reason to like, you have to take every, every chance you can in in the NBA, in my opinion, to progress. Uh, You don't want next year when these guys are actually becoming veteran, like good and objectively good NBA players. You don't want that to be the first year they're playing in meaningful games. Right. You want them to start to get that experience. Now you want them to sort of get even a taste of the playoffs for as long as possible. So they really start to like, look at the standings, look at themselves and think, you know, shit, we can play a little bit better and maybe actually shock the world, you know? Well, yeah, it's, you you know, it's like kind of, it's going to sound like propaganda, but at this point of the season, you know, this could be something that Luke uses as like, as like a carrot to dangle and say, hey, we're only two wins out of the A seed. Keep competing. And then at that point, they may actually believe that they have a shot and who knows yeah. what happens. So, and, and when you believe you have a shot, like you said, who knows what happens? So we, you know, we have a few more games. I guess we play Portland our next game and then we come back for three more at home. And if we could just like start to rack up at least some wins that, or I'm not saying like we we really shouldn't win many games we play I guess if we're your 13 and 25 but start to rack up wins against teams where it's like okay that's not a bad matchup I could see it going either way we need to start to get some of those at home um and once we start to get those we'll stay in the hunt and who knows what could happen man like it's it's it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past this team given that 10 and 10 start we had with some injuries to um start like you know, rattling off wins that really, really, really should not have happened and, you know, win eight of the next 10 or something absurd like that. And then we're just like sitting with a ridiculous record by like the all-star break. Exactly. And momentum's a funny thing. You know, you never know what happens when you start getting it rolling. And Luke Walton seems like the type of coach to compartmentalize things properly in terms of he's not going to look at you know, the tough stretch we had when we had injuries, he's going to look at, hey guys, 2017, this is who we are, 10 and 10, that was who we were. We're a good team if we're just if we're just engaged, if we put our mind to it and we continue to grow our chemistry together. Hopefully we can continue this in Portland. It's I think it's away, right? At the Rose Garden? It's at the Rose Garden, yeah. So that'll be a huge test because it's on the road. Can the guys maintain this consistency? You know, I don't even care if they lose. If they can just continue to look like they're a cohesive unit, I will be more than happy. So, yeah, we'll see. All right, with that said, that'll be our episode. This is a good case of uh, emergency podcast and much needed and uh, much deserved. So, once again, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times swaggy p will do that weird air groin thrust thing even before he hits the three-point shot (laughs) you saw that right he was doing it before it went in the basket that's like his thing now i have no idea what the heck that is luckily unlike the one where he turns around and puts his arms up he hit that one yeah because that would have been that would have looked a lot more awkward and weird if he had been doing this weird hip motion groin thing and he missed so rate interview us for all those reasons and we will catch you next time tommy later
Peace. Keep it chill. Insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.